Welcome to The Jack Brunswick Show. For more valuable knowledge, stories, and insights, check out jackbrunswickwordpress.com, jackbrunswick13 on Instagram and Twitter, or listen to the other podcasts on The Jack Brunswick Show. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Welcome back to The Jack Brunswick Show. Today I'm going to be talking about my stances on alcohol. So I wanted to explore, you know, kind of my thoughts on it. Because I'm pretty unorthodox when it comes to alcohol and my stance on it. So we're just going to talk about what I think as well as, you know, the research and science to back up why I believe what I believe in. We're also going to just talk about, you know, my goals, aspirations, and kind of why this is my stance on alcohol. So I guess it starts when I was a kid. Uh, My family never drank a lot. I can't recall a time that I've seen anyone in my family drunk. I mean, it's the usual. You get a sip here and there, have a taste of a beer as a little kid. Like, ew, it's gross. Uh, But it's never more than that. No, even in high school, I never drank. I never hung out with the kids who partied and drank alcohol or smoked, whatever it was. And obviously, my parents played a part in, you know, my attitudes on alcohol. But I just never really thought it was cool. The friends that I was around... They never forced those influences on me. My parents, they didn't make alcohol taboo. They just never really did it that much. It was kind of a lead by example thing. But my friends, they never drank or smoked or really did anything like that. And I was never attracted to the kids who did that either. Probably because my crowd was, you know, doing well in school and doing well in sports. And usually alcohol doesn't coincide with either of those if you're drinking a lot. But, you know, alcohol was never a major topic of discussion for me. I was educated on it in, you know, health class, things like that. Don't drink till you're 21. Don't binge drink, things like that. And that's just kind of what I believed in. It was normal for me. And I didn't see a reason to challenge it. And this kind of is a story to explain kind of my family situation on alcohol. So my dad, he applied for a job in Australia and he got it. But I didn't know it yet. So I'm coming home from school. I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday. And the way he was going to tell us that he got selected for that job in Australia was he bought a Foster's beer and he put it in the fridge. And so Foster's beer, if you don't know, it's like big Australian brand. They got a kangaroo. At the time, the can had a kangaroo on it and the Australian flag. So it's pretty obvious what message he was going to convey. And so we put it in the fridge and I come home from school, it's like three in the afternoon and dad wanted a beer. And I kind of stopped for a second. Now, I knew something was up immediately because my dad, he barely, if not ever drank at home. And if he did, it was, it would be late at night, like maybe one beer, but at three in the afternoon on a weekday, it made no sense to me. But I was like, okay, like, I guess I'll get you a beer. So I went to go grab it. And I looked directly at the kangaroo and the flag and I didn't think anything of it because I was just so mesmerized by the whole alcohol thing. And I gave it to my dad and then I just kind of went upstairs to my room. It's like, get back here. And then I, at that point, I thought he was mad at me because in my little middle school mind, you know, dads who want to drink alcohol, they're the ones who are, you know, abusive and angry and mad and they hit their kids and stuff like that. And my my dad's never done that. 
But that's kind of the imagery that was going on in my head because I've never seen my dad like that before. So I was kind of on guard. But he brings me back down and shows me the can. And I was like, oh, shoot, we're going to Australia. But that's just the little story that kind of represents alcohol wasn't taboo, but it also wasn't a major part of our life or our lifestyle, especially my parents. I think that's a big thing uh, that shapes, you know, our, our attitudes on things is one, our parents, two, our environment, uh, the activities we pursue, what we kind of value, what our parents value, what the community values. Because for me, my life just revolved around sports and school. Those are the two big things and maybe video games. But yeah, there's just something to keep in mind is how much your background and your upbringing and your environment affects you. But anyway, move to Australia. Drinking age is 18, like a lot of European countries and just countries around the world. And I didn't turn 18 in Australia, but I guess I just wanted to talk about the different drinking cultures in Australia versus the U.S. So just the way it seems, the research I've done and my personal experiences was the Australian drinking culture is a little bit worse in regards to binge drinking and doing unhealthy things with alcohol than the U.S., but I don't think that's a reflection on the drinking age itself. I think it's a cultural thing. So I did some research. I'm going to find it right here. Yeah, so it's not the drinking age that matters. It's the culture. So there's countries scattered everywhere for drinking rates. Sorry, there's countries scattered pretty randomly in the rankings for, you know, binge drinking and alcohol-related deaths and things like that. So Australia was ranked 19th. So number one would be the worst. America was 48th, but countries like Norway and Sweden, they have alcohol ages of 18, but they're ranked 50 and 65. And so you can't just look at the drinking age. You also have to look at one, the culture, but also the other laws and things going on regarding alcohol, such as, you know, where you can buy it, um, when you can buy it, can you drink in public, which stores can sell it, are there taxes related to it? Uh, just things like that. And then at the end of the day, just because you can buy it doesn't mean you're going to abuse it. And that comes with culture. And something with the drinking age at, you know, 21 and 18 is this excerpt I found. It was a reflection of when drinking at age 18 was legal in the U.S., when it was allowed. And so this guy, he says, so you start the quote here, I was struck by the unanimity of the culture on these campuses that seems to revolve around heavy, dangerous, determinative drinking, where people set out to get drunk and the whole notion of pre-gaming and doing shots in the dorm room. The sort of clandestine behavior I just didn't remember from my days in college, which were definitely a long time ago, but back in the 60s, when the drinking age in New York where I went to school was 18, we didn't feel a need to do that stuff because it was legal. So this guy, he went through college and stuff when he could drink at 18 legally. He's commenting on now when the drinking age is 21 and it is illegal to drink during college years as an underclass. It seems that the binge drinking and stuff comes from a couple of factors. So one, there's the rebellion factor of it's not allowed, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, That's a big thing is, you know, you drink as a form of rebellion because it's cool. And that's something I've noticed at the, uh, just going to college and stuff in general is, now that everyone drinks, it's kind of cool to not drink. 
at least for me in my eyes. But, you know, once a lot of people start doing something, it it loses its appeal. And I think that's what this guy is kind of observing here is when it's legal and everyone can do it, then there's not really a motivation to try to rebel and be different and drink a lot or drink at all. I think another part of it is when you're underage and the drinking age is 21, you can't have a drink with a meal or, you know, have a drink all the time because every time you take a drink of alcohol, you're taking a risk with getting in trouble. And so it's smarter to take less risks by drinking more all in one go. Instead of drinking one alcoholic beverage every day of the week and doing it responsibly, they might drink seven all in one night because that's one risk taken instead of seven. I think another big thing is when you're 18 and the drinking age lets you drink at 18, most kids are still going to be high school seniors living at home with their parents. Because there's a lot of cultures where you're 18 and you still live at home. You have that parental guidance to you know, teach you how to drink responsibly. And also being around your parents drinking makes it kind of less cool and you kind of realize like, oh, this is kind of stupid. If the drinking age is 21 and you exclusively drink with your friends, then that kind of creates that mentality of this is a cool thing to do. But all that stuff kind of links back to culture as well as individual choice. But yeah, that's just kind of my little spiel on the difference between drinking ages being 18 and 21. I think it's weird being in the military at age 18, but you can't have a beer until you're 21 legally. So you could legally put on the front lines in the Middle East fighting for your life and fighting for your country, but you can't uh, have a beer. And that's a big argument that people have. You can't even rent a car until you're 25. For military members, we can rent cars uh, at a younger age. It just doesn't add up. Or does it? I did some more research. And basically, the magic number for alcohol is 25. Why 25? Because when you turn 25 years old, that's the average time for when your brain stops growing and developing and maturing. And if you drink alcohol in large amounts and you binge drink or even just do it on a routine basis... Alcohol can prevent that brain growth and that maximum potential reached. Long-term drinking, it can shrink the frontal lobes of your brain. And what the frontal lobes do, they help with your recall, your attention, your motor skills, and your function, your problem-solving, your judgment, and your impulse control. So your brain's still developing until 25. Yet, we're allowed to drink alcohol at 21, which can negatively impact that growth, that maturity. As well as, you can get tried as an adult. At 18 years old, when you still have maturity development, our impulse control isn't all the way developed. We don't have our judgment skills uh, fully matured. And so 25 is that magic number of, hey, this is when it becomes a lot more healthier to drink because it won't impact brain growth or development. And, you know, long-term drinking and binge drinking can also interfere with your creation of memories, uh, memory recall. It can make it harder to fight off bacteria and viruses, increase your risk for cardiovascular disease, pancreatitis, sexual dysfunction, thinning bones, cramps, malnutrition. It basically means you can't absorb your nutrients properly. 21, it's closer to 25, but it still doesn't make sense. Uh, but that's the whole political issue is how much of the government control our actions, things like that. I'm not even going to get into it. Just keep in mind, your brain doesn't stop developing until 25. 
And it's that prefrontal cortex and those frontal lobes that impacts your impulse control, your social interactions, organization, planning for the long term. None of that's fully developed till 25. So think about that. That's why adolescence, we take more risks. We act without thinking. We do stupid things. And that's not an excuse to say, oh, no, my brain's not fully developed. That's why I did it. You have to take responsibility. But that's a factor to consider. Your brain can change. You can have neural changes throughout your entire life. But those first 25 years are probably the most important in our development. So those are just kind of the health effects of, you know, drinking a lot and drinking over the long term and drinking a lot in one sitting. And the reasons I kind of avoid those because, you know, I care about, you know, my longevity. I care about my goals. And in the short term, alcohol makes you feel like crap when you're hungover. It can affect your sleep. So just because you you drank a lot and you pass out at midnight and you wake up at noon, just because you slept 12 hours, that doesn't mean you're getting good rest and recovery. The sleep quality after you're hungover is not optimal because binge drinking and getting drunk, it disrupts your REM sleep. So that's the deep sleep that most of your recovery uh, muscle brain repair comes from. Uh, But on the other side of that, having one 12 ounce beer is known to increase your sleep time and reduce your awakening during the night. And alcohol has a lot of other positive long-term effects if moderately consumed. So that includes reduced risk of death from coronary heart disease, reduced risk of blood clot, reduced risk of, of gallstones, lower risk of kidney stones, lower risk of rheumatoid arthritis, and an increase in women's bone density. So I'm not against alcohol 100%. I am a supporter of drinking it responsibly and kind of using it as a a tool, using it in a good, healthy way. Like anything, most of the benefits of alcohol can be reaped and we can avoid those consequences of alcohol by drinking in moderation and responsibly. So balancing that risk versus reward. And that's very cliche. I talk about that a lot. But ultimately, you know, after having one or two beers, you're kind of going downhill. And even if, you know, being drunk and having a good time and partying makes you feel good, you know, makes you feel confident and relaxed and happy, dizzy. Uh, If you haven't been drunk before, then I'm sorry I couldn't give you a better picture than that. It makes you feel good. But I think that's very artificial and it's kind of a cop out in my opinion. Because there's a natural way to get confidence. There's a natural way to feel relaxed and there's natural ways to be happy. I think sometimes alcohol is you know, good to just reset and take some time to chill out and just think about life and do nothing. You know, sometimes you need that just to do nothing. But depending on alcohol for confidence, being relaxed and being happy, uh, I don't see that being a long-term thing for me or for anyone in general. You can get confidence through working out, studying, you know, training, doing what you need to do. That's how you build real confidence. You can find other ways to be relaxed by, you know, meditating, read a book, listen to some music. You can find other ways to be happy that are intrinsically fulfilling and eternally rewarding, not just for that moment. You want to do things that make you feel good looking back on as well as make you feel good the next day. And for me, a hangover never does that. I've never been proud of getting super drunk and then being hungover and feeling like crap. You can make some good memories with your friends for sure, but at the end of the day, 
the the negative feelings of feeling kind of sick and gross and tired and not being able to focus for, you know, half of the next day isn't worth uh, the night before. And it doesn't build up to my long-term goals. I think that's the number one thing is I want to, you know, do it naturally and I want to get to where I want to go as fast as I can. And alcohol doesn't help me do that. I just see it as a self-applied roadblock. So for me, am I going to be abstinent and not drink alcohol at all? No, I drank alcohol all this past weekend in moderation, uh, but it didn't interfere with my work. It didn't interfere with my goals. It didn't make me feel like crap. And that's the biggest thing for me is I will drink, but I won't drink to the point where it's interfering with the things I need to get done and it's not going to waste my time. And there's going to be days where I need to drink uh, just to, you know, relax and use it as a tool or as an accessory to give me that extra chill pill, basically. But I think at the end of the day, I'm focused on doing the right thing, being productive, uh, you know, doing this podcast, being ready for the basketball season, getting good grades, staying out of trouble, reading lots of books, learning, growing as a person, producing creative content. And alcohol, if it gets in the way of that, then that's where the relationship ends. And I think you can apply that to people too, is people can be fun. You know, they can help you have a good time. But when they cross that line of taking your attention away from your goals and your vision and your passion, and that's where you got to say no. And there's always a time to mess around and goof off and refresh, but don't let that be your go-to. So that's kind of where I'm at. I'm not going to give it up 100%, but I'm also not going to succumb to what my friends are doing or the college drinking culture either. And it's a little different for me. I'm at a service academy at the USCGA Coast Guard. And if you don't know what a service academy is, it's basically, it's a military school, a college, you earn your college bachelor's degree, and then you serve in the military for five years. But while you're at college, you're under a lot of uh, rules and regulations And you're being prepared to be a military officer, to lead people and to be a good person. And so we have lots of rules that affect our drinking culture, such as not being able to go out for most people Monday through Thursday. So for me right now as a junior or a second class, I can go out Friday nights, be back at midnight. Saturday at noon, I can leave, come back at uh, midnight-ish. It's weird right now because of COVID, but that's kind of the policy. And then Sunday can leave at 7.30 in the morning, come back by 7 at night. Because we're limited on what we can go out, as well as being under a lot of stress throughout the week, there is prominence of drinking. It's hard for me to say if it's worse or better than a normal college. I want to say it's better just because I think we have a lot of high quality people here. And that kind of outweighs the negatives of being under a lot of stress and being busy all the time and only having a limited amount of time to go out and actually drink. But then the other side of being busy and stressed is that we need to use that time wisely. And I think that's why that could even help the drinking culture at service academies. So it's hard for me to say if service academy drinking culture is worse or better than normal college. If I had to bet on it and put money on it, I would say that our drinking culture is better than Uh, traditional colleges just because I believe in our quality of cadets and the people here are a lot higher standard but I'm so not this I'm not going to succumb to 
going out, spending money, drinking, when I could be knocking out podcasts or working on my basketball game or getting a workout in or doing my homework. That's the biggest thing for me. So this last little segment in this episode is the rules I set myself for alcohol. Uh, So the first one is kind of ambiguous and unclear, but to not drink enough so that the next morning is longer than the time spent drinking. So if I drink for two hours, then I don't want to feel like crap for more than two hours. I don't want to be hungover. I don't want to feel sick. I want to wake up the next morning or later that day if I'm drinking for lunch or whatever it might be. And I want to grind. I want to be able to get my stuff done. That's rule number one. Rule number two, also a pretty unclear rule, but I don't want to spend more than you know, realistically three or four bucks on a drink when I'm out eating food or dining somewhere. And that's just kind of a money thing, but it also keeps me from drinking with every single meal I have. So that's number two is no more than $3 spent per drink. And then another one, my third rule is to not drink for coping with things. So if I'm drinking, it's for, you know, positive feeling or, you know, for an event that calls for celebration for a special occasion. I'm not going to drink just because I feel sad or I failed. Prime example of this is last year, our season wasn't going so well and we lost a game. And my teammates were like, okay, who's going to Slice, which is the local bar. And so they were going to go drink away their sorrows because we lost another basketball game. Uh, Me? No, I'm in the gym. I'm working on my shot. I'm working on whatever I can to make our team better. And that's the attitude I want to have with alcohol is I want to use it as a tool to celebrate, not to make bad things worse. This fourth and final rule is I don't want to use alcohol as a way to get things done. I don't want to use it as liquid confidence or as my primary way of relaxing or being happy. A lot of rappers and other creative artists use alcohol and drugs and stuff to make their creative works better. But for me, alcohol, it doesn't make us wiser. It just makes us feel a little bit loose and reduces our filter. And for me, that's just, I have more ideas, but they're not necessarily better ones. And not having a filter isn't really good. I don't want to use alcohol as a crutch to increase my productivity of creative content, or I don't want to use it as an inspiration for creating things, the podcast, the blog, whatever it might be. But ultimately, this isn't really a rule, but if I have an off day or I drink too much for a special occasion or just randomly, that's okay. It's not the end of the world. I'm just going to get back out there on the grind and resume right where I left off. That's it, basically. That's my my attitude and my stance on alcohol. It's definitely a nice thing. Uh, I drink it for the taste. That's my last rule that I almost forgot. So I have my sponsor dad, my sponsor mom, shout out to them. Basically, I was in agreement with them is, you know, drink for the taste and for, you know, the people around you and have it with a meal. But it's not for drinking for volume. It's about the quality, not the quantity. So that's my last rule. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you gained some insight, especially if you're over 21 or if you're under 21. It doesn't really matter. Take this unorthodox approach to alcohol and really think about it. Think about the long term because if you're not 25 yet, like the research said, you're you're not necessarily fully developed with your long-term planning or your risk mitigation. So take calculated risks. So just think about that a little bit is 
Are you doing the best thing for yourself? And alcohol is good. You know, having every once in a while is great. I'm not going to go against alcohol. I'm not going to stop drinking alcohol completely. But I think it's important to prioritize what's important in your life and do that. And just think a little harder about the long-term goals and your dreams and what you're trying to accomplish and what role alcohol plays in that. So I'll leave you with that. Thank you so much for listening. Take a second, check out the Jack Brunswick Show Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Give this podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Share with a friend, a family member if you learned something or enjoyed listening and you think they would too. And yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Catch you later. Take a minute to check out another episode of The Jack Brunswick Show and be the first to know when the newest one drops by joining the email list in the Jack Brunswick bio. That's good.